Praise the Lord, it's chat time again. Now, this week, we will continue to discuss current events and scriptures. Praise the Lord. Time for that segment. Where did this phrase come from? And the phrase is, fall by the wayside. You know, we've heard that a lot. It's, um, I don't know, according to something just falls by the wayside. It's like you drop the ball or, or something. Um, that can be found in Matthew and Mark. Matthew chapter 13, verse 4, when it's a, and it says, And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them. And in Mark 4, 4, it says, And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air devoured it. So fall by the wayside could mean that you have, um, that you stop doing or using something because you lack interest or focus or you have other priorities or I don't know. But fall by the wayside maybe, I think, because you forget to do something or you forget about it. Whatever came from the Bible. And now, so we'll talk about some current events. And this was sent to me some time ago. And it came from End Times Headlines and the Sun.com. And I don't know, this is strange. It's a model showing how Jesus Christ may have looked. Oh, come on. I don't know why people are so obsessed. But I, I, and I wasn't going to do this. I wasn't going to talk about this, but it, it's, it's different. <laughs> this was in, unveiled in Spain not too long ago. Mm-hmm. It's a hyper-realistic sculpture. It's not like plaster. It's not a painting. It's, not, it's yeah. made of latex, silicon, and real human hair. Uh-huh. So what was her point? And they base it on the data collected from the Shroud of Turin. And um, it was unveiled in Salamanca Cathedral in Spain. Um, it's a life-like model. I think it's life-size, too. 
um, features all the wounds said to have been inflicted, including cuts to the head where the crown of thorns is said to have been forced upon his head. The, the sculpture itself weighs 165.3 pounds, is 5 feet 10 inch, inches. Um, it, it has a wound inflicted on Jesus' side. Um, and then, I, I, I don't know how they did that, how they could have done it. Well, uh, because it has, it says it's got scratches to the body that he's said to have sustained uh, from the whippings. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I, I, maybe they meant well, but as for me, to me, that's nonsense. And if a person uh, has to be so entrenched with having to have the physical rather than the to walk by faith. I just, I don't see the spiritual purpose. I don't see the significance. Uh, who who gave what the, the tone of the skin color, the texture of the hair. To me, that's so subjective. And to me, it's so unnecessary. And it just, to me, goes contrary to what God said as far as faith. So they're not walking by faith. They're trying to walk by sight. And what spiritual significance, what edification does this bring? Nothing. So the, the city council hopes that this ex exhibition will renew the waters of the body and spirit of believers and non-believers and bring us closer to I the I don't mystery. see how. You know, because I actually could see a person uh, who basically is of, of a different race saying, well, how do they know that, that his hair was like this? How do they know he was this tall? How do they know that he looked like this? Who said his skin color was like that? It, you know, you get into all those type of controversies because it has nothing to do with faith. <laughs> Well, all right, moving on. So this came from the Christian Post, and it was talking about um, Elvis Presley's stepbrother. Um, I guess it's a, a book that came out. It reveals Elvis Presley's Bible habits, generosity, and his belief in God. And I wasn't going to talk about this. Um, but I think there's some value in the fact that you can read the Bible. You can read the Bible every day. You can believe in God. You can be generous to people. You can do everything that you know to do, but unless you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be saved. So Elvis Presley became an international sensation before his untimely death in 1977 at the age of 42. And while the world celebrated the king of rock and roll, his musical talents, his stepbrother Billy Stanley, is on a mission to shed light on another part of his life that receives much less attention. It's his faith. So there's a, a book that's out. It's called The Faith of Elvis, A Story Only a Brother Can Tell. And he sat down, Billy Stanley sat down with CBN's Faithwire to re reveals some of the unique details of Elvis's faith and life. He was a Christian, and most people don't know that, Stanley said. When I say a Christian, he was a Bible-carrying Christian. Wherever he went, he took the Bible with him. In fact, Stanley, who worked for Elvis when he was on tour, was asked 
was tasked with carrying the performer's Bible, and he often observed his stepbrother down on his knees praying. He read the Bible almost every day. The challenges of fame, of course, were ever-present, especially for someone as well-known and cemented in the culture as Elvis. The singer had no shortage of headlines about his life and seemed to struggle with many of the demons fame can often bring about. Nobody can really imagine the position Elvis was in, and here you have a man that really changed culture, Stanley said. I always thought he had the devil on one side and he's got God on the other side, and there was a constant battle going on inside of his head. He continued that Elvis did his best whenever he was in trouble, he would always turn to God, and Stanley said of his stepbrother that he would often pray for God's mercy, forgiveness, and wisdom. He was a generous giver, uh, the most generous giver I've ever met in my life, giving money, cars, homes to people he didn't even know. Um, he recalled one time he was driving around Memphis with Elvis and the two were chatting when they passed a homeless man and Elvis did a U-turn and told Stanley to grab his wallet and give the money, give money to the man. It was so thick you couldn't bend it, he said of Elvis's wallet. So I said, how much? He said, all of it. Elvis handed over the cash to the homeless man who recognized him. And the homeless man told the singer he was a big fan. And Elvis responded by telling the man the cash gift was his way of paying him back for watching his, mu watching his movies and listening to his music. Um, the devastating death you know, millions mourned his death. It, it, his brother said it devastated me because I could, I could have, I could have pictured it. I could never have pictured it. I always thought he was going to outlive me. I never thought of it, and when it actually happened, it just devastated me. And one night, I had a dream. I was talking to Elvis, and I just looked at him and I said, "What does it feel like being dead?" And Stan Stanley recalled, and he looked at me and and said, don't you know? Stanley said and woke up in a cold sweat and entered a treatment center. <laughs> <laughs> I got clean and sober in 1987. And Stanley also reflected on his final conversation with Elvis just two days before the singer died. Uh, as Elvis was helping his brother bandage up a minor injury in the bathroom, the two looked at one another in the mirror and had a heartfelt conversation. He says, do you believe in he, God forgives us for our sins? I said, yes, Stanley said. He's, he kind of took me off guard with that question. Yes, I've read about it many times, and you've told me this too, and this is what I've learned in church, he said. Good, I just want to make sure you know that. The brothers then started to talk about life and their dreams, and Elvis offered encouragement for Stanley's future. He said, one day, Billy, you're going to fall in love with a girl, and she will just go and change your whole life. And that happened, Stanley said. Everything he told me that day happened. So he's hoping the new, his new book would offer a new lens into Elvis's life and faith. But most importantly, he wants people to discover a relationship with Jesus as a result of it. One thing I hope is that they get a relationship with God themselves. Seeing the most famous entertainer of all time had a relationship with him, he said. Now, I don't know if he was the most famous of all time, but... But I don't... I, I, I mean, he, I mean, he, he probably repented. did have a relationship. He could have repented. I mean, you know, because in the end, it's the Lord that separates the wheat from the tares. 
And uh, I'm not saying that he did or he didn't. I just know that if they that know to do good and don't, for them it's a sin. If they're preaching and, and the Lord sending the prophets and the evangelists and the word of God, you do what you know to do. Like the Lord told me, you stay saved. So when you hear the word, the Lord said when you hear him, you know, he's calling, you answer the call. Yeah, and uh, I thought too that when he uh, when he was overdosing all those sleeping pills and all those, those drugs that he was taking, and when I um, my cousin and I when we went to Graceland, we saw that we saw the bathroom he died in, and we just saw you know we just saw all all that stuff you know. But and I you get to thinking like if you know God is real and you believe in God, you. You would ought to, you know, when you had, when you were going through that pro- process, he would look like he would have turned to God in faith and and believed and say, you know, you know, God, I need I need your help because, you know, I'm having this type of problem, I'm having this type so of problem. So he died of an overdose. Yeah, he died. He was trying. I he he was, died of a heart attack. Yeah, he yeah he he was overdosing like on drugs because he was trying to buy. He was trying to. Like uppers and downers, amphetamine, uppers and amphetamines and stuff like that. Trying to, you know, trying to uh, rest and get sleep, and he had taken all these pills, all and these drugs. Heart couldn't take it. Heart couldn't take it, and he just right. So, so in the end, I mean, except for when the Lord lets you know a person's fruit, and therefore, if in the ultimate. A scheme of things. We know that the Lord is the final say, but we also know that He gave us His these words that we know the tree by the fruit it bears, and we also know that He says that uh, that we have to receive His Holy Spirit. That's how He knows that we are His, that we are of of His seed because of the Holy Spirit that's within us. Did Elvis receive the Holy Spirit before He died? I can't say. You know, I have no idea. The fact that they attribute him to being a cultural revolution it just depends on what culture, you know, you know, they we're talking about. But that's neither here nor there. The the end result is that all souls belong to the Lord, and these people who feel like their life is centered on fame and fortune, all that stuff passes. That is just so temporary. In the end, you're gonna have to give an account to God. And some people say, well, I, I want my heaven right here on earth. You don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So you, have, you basically have no idea what you're saying. You think you do, but you, you really don't. All right. I don't know. We talked about Jonathan Kahn, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, before. We did, huh? And he, predict, he had a 2021 prophetic warning to President Joe Biden and it's come full circle. And this article came from End Times Headlines, and um, it says that throughout the centuries, Christian leaders have stood up and spoken spoken out against apostasy within the church. It has happened time and again, often leading to splintering of the church, continuing on its path toward destruction or repentance. But what happens when a nation became in apostate, when Jonathan Kahn first warned President Joe Biden that his plans to enact legislation 
that supported abortion, same-sex marriage, and the transgender movement would bring about more judgment on America, there was still hope that the president would not go down the dark path. He said, uh, we stand in a most critical moment, Khan explained. Mr. President, President Biden, you have called for unity and peace, but how can a nation have unity and peace when it wars against the very foundation on which it stands? How can a nation have unity and peace when it has turned against the God who has brought it into existence and it has turned. So Rabbi Khan calls to light the sins that America has committed that grieve the heart of God and go against his very nature. Killing innocent children in the womb by the millions, redefining the genders that God created in his image, committing acts of lawlessness and sexual immorality on a scale that would leave ancient Rome shocked, all opened up the door for harsh judgment against America. Now, in a disappointment to believers across the world, President Joe Biden not only chose what side he's on, but celebrated legislating sin into America. On December 13, 2022, Biden invited activists, drag queens from across the country to celebrate the forced compulsion of states to recognize same-sex marriage. To commemorate the event, the White House lit up, was lit up in a rainbow for the world to see. In another prophetic warning, Rabbi Khan called out the glaring threat this represents to religious freedom. The path that this takes America further down and the president, president's own claims about being a Christian man. What you did, Mr. President, on the White House lawn when you sing, signed that act the Respect for Marriage Act, a law that was very opposite of its name, Khan said, the disrespecting and obliteration of what marriage has always been since the beginning of human history. You did something that no president has ever done. You enshrined the alteration of marriage into federal law. For years, President Biden had stood on the moral grounds of marriage between a man and a woman. So did other political leaders such as Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, Mitt Romney. Yet the erosion of social and cultural morality opened the floodgates for the corrupting of God's creation. How could they put Barack Obama in there when he was the one that okayed same-sex marriage? What in the world are they talking about? I think at one time he, he did say marriage should be between a man and a woman. Then he flip-flopped. He had to flip flop right away because yeah, he, I'm telling he did. you, based upon his autobiography, he never believed in God. <laughs> so it says now the country founded on godly principles and morality, although imperfect, has turned from the Lord God in heaven. And that's the truth. I oh mean, yeah, that that's absolutely true. Yeah, he is. I don't know. He has given over to to sin and the people have encouraged him but I don't think he's just the president in and of his own right I just think he has this these counselors that are truly running things behind the scenes that's how I look at it but because I don't think he's competent enough to be the president <laughs> anyway moving on this is from the Christian Post the federal court has ruled that the that Christian colleges and universities with traditional views on sexuality and marriage can continue 
to receive funding through Title IX rejecting LGBT students' efforts to strike down a religious exemption to federal discrimination law. So in a ruling recently, the judge dismissed the case filed by a group of LGBT Christian college students. Is that an oxymoron? Yes, it is. <laughs> How can you be LGBT and Christian? College students and former students who sued the U.S. Department of Education in 2021 for providing religious exemption to Title IX discrimination laws to Christian higher education institutions. The judge, a Clinton appointee, concluded that plaintiffs failed to show the original religious exemption granted by Congress decades ago for Title IX and has a discriminatory purpose. Plaintiffs have submitted no allegations of discriminatory motivation on the part of those enacting the religious exemption. To the contrary, plaintiffs argue that when Cong Congress acted Title Nine protections for or discrimination against sexual and gender minorities were of no concern, said the judge. <clears throat> um, so I guess the bottom line is that Christian colleges can receive these funds and still uphold their religious beliefs. Right, which they should be allowed to do because I guarantee you that if it's a, a Muslim university, they're not, they don't care. They was like, no, it's not going to happen. I guarantee you, uh, it, even when it comes to being kosher, being orthodox, if it's, if it's a Jewish uh, educational institution, they're going to hold to their tradition and their values. You can't, you can't dictate to someone your immorality and feel like they have to be uh, catered to. Which is basically uh, th this whole alphabet group. It, it, it's, it's based upon them inflicting their beliefs on someone else. It's, it's, it's not even a discussion. It's almost. It's just pure oppression. They yeah, just tell like you you have to do it. Yes, our way or no way. Yeah. So this next article comes from Fox News, and it says pro-choice activists claim abortion bans violate their religious freedom in new lawsuits. Some lawsuits claim the state is imposing their own religion by restricting abortions. And it says, and we talked about this last week, conservatives and free speech activists on Twitter railed against a recent viral depicting police interrogating an and ultimately arresting a pro-life woman who was silently praying outside of a UK abortion clinic. Pro-choice activists across the United States have filed lawsuits against states with post-Roe v. Wade abortion restrictions, arguing that the new laws violate their religious freedom. A new report um, from Arlie Rogers of the Associated Press and Report for America this highlights several different cases in which lawyers have claimed new abortion restriction laws infringe on the religious they are beliefs silly. of women. No, no, no. First it was medical. And now that the medical hasn't uh, taken hold, now is religion. How They're gonna have to prove that their particular religion 
is being violated. So what religion do you know? It, it, it has to be the, uh, uh, we believe in abortion religion. It can't be Christianity. They, they're going to have to have their own separate sect of religion. That, that, that's, that, that's not going to hold water because they're lying. It has nothing to do with religion. It has to do with what they said was the medical procedure that gave a woman a right to dictate the health of her own body. She was controlling her own body. It had nothing to do with religion. So in Indiana, the advocacy group Hoosier, Hoosier Jews for Choice, as well as the Lawyers for Five Anonymous Women of various religious backgrounds, including Jewish and Muslim, used this argument earlier in... 2022. Their lawsuit was filed in September, and it notes that Jewish law prioritizes the mother's life and health over that of a fetus, and that Jewish studies often only refer to a fetus as a living person at birth. Ah, that must be the Reformed Jews. <laughs> uh-uh. Nope, doesn't fly. And it's the same for the Muslims. It doesn't fly. In early December, a judge ruled that Indianapolis abortion law violates the state religious freedom law signed by former Republican Governor Mike Pence in 2015 and could not be instituted. The state's attorney general's office recently appealed a ruling which sided with a group of women and is expected to head to the Supreme Court. Um, in Kentucky, three Jewish women made a similar argument and said state laws on abortion violate that the religious baloney beliefs. Baloney is not going to fly because <laughs> what's going to happen is that the Supreme Court is going to say, regardless, it's up to the voters. So it becomes an issue for the state, and the state has to submit it to the voters, and the people have to vote on whether or not the law that they're trying to pass will become a law. That the bill that they're trying to pass or enact is going to become a law. That's what the Supreme Court is going to say. Well, anybody can file anything, I guess. Anybody can file. But for the Supreme them. Court to hear it, they're going to have to tell them that it's, it, it's not religion because then that would mean if we would okay abortion, then we're violating somebody else's religion. He's going to say it has to go to the people and the people have to vote on it according to whatever state they're in. Well, that concludes our program for this week. Yes. Praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Now, this week's verse of the day comes from Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you now. Ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, on Judgment Day, if your name is not written in the book of life, where will you go? And who will go with you? And the answer is, into the lake of fire with death and hell. And that answer can be found in Revelation chapter 20, verses 14 to 15. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So you're going to have company with death and hell if, you don't, if your name isn't in the book of life. This week's food for thought is in whom does the Lord take pleasure in?
Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.